Cunningham for another extraordinary message on Gill Athletics Connections. Well, welcome to the show. Uh. It's the goes to appreciate the coach, the ones who point people most. Every season needs a voice of reason, speaking the growth. You gotta prep for you carry the load. It's coffee to the soul for those of us who stay on the go. Proper handoff to stay in the zone. What you packing for the road? There's more than one way to the go. Take notes, that's paying your toll. It ain't practice if your purpose ain't clear. It can't happen till you listen with both ears. You can't mentor without a mentor's years of experience. You can reinvent those years. Every plan's got a stand to deliver up to. Enterprise sacrifice, can you give up you? It's a choice and a fight. Not a win or lose It's not a ploy but advice so y'all can make more moves It's not about how to, it's all about why You don't know till you know who you are inside Six million ways to tie Choose none so we all cross the finish line The work ain't done So we learn from the experts We all gotta put in the legwork Gill Athletics is a network It's all about connections Put together for the profession To every track coach could be the blessing All right, it's rock and roll time. We're back for another edition of the Gill Athletics Track and Field Connections podcast. More importantly, you're back here for another episode. We have had some, since we started season four here in 2023, um, we might have had some, one of the best lineups that we've had here in the last uh, January and here as we anchor February going into March, and which means it's championship season, everybody. Uh, so uh, I'm excited. This is just going to continue this trend of just amazing, amazing people who choose to be track coaches. Uh, that we're just going to uplift and honor and explore their great journey. So let's get into it today. Help me welcome the head track and field coach for men and women at the great Johnson C. Smith University in beautiful, beautiful Charlotte, North Carolina. Help me welcome the wise, the wonderful Miss Carol Lawrence. Carol, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Oh, it is my pleasure. This is one of those interesting ones for me. Uh, I've said this before, you know, a lot of guests, some are like dear friends of mine. Like I've known them since I coached way back in the day and things like that. Uh, Some are, you know, I kind of know them. We've done business Mm -hmm. together, whatever. And then there's others. It's like, man, I don't, we've never met. Now we're not that far, you and I, from not meeting. We did meet a few uh, weeks, months ago um, and had just a brief conversation on your track and I was so like, I'm so excited for you to be listening today because Carol's story, just from the, I mean, we talked maybe 10, maybe 10 minutes. Well, you were, you know, kind of in a little practice starting mm-hmm. uh, and was just blown away about the uniqueness of your journey, Carol. And that's what I love to share with listeners because we all come from different backgrounds to get to seemingly the same career and job coaching track and field, but we have such diverse, unique ways of getting here. And I like to share that so that other people can see like, oh, wait a minute, uh, Carol can do that. Well, then I, I should be able to do that too. So exactly. uh, super, super excited to delve into it. And let's do that. Let's let's hop right into it. There's no time to waste here. We got a lot to get into, I bet. So Carol, uh, talk to us, you know, at some point, assuming you were an athlete, and I know you and I know you were, uh, <laughs> coaching as an in your brain switched from not just something that happens to you, go run this, lift this, et cetera, but something somewhere it had to like flip the switch for you of like, oh, wait a minute, like this might actually be a career for me. Where does coaching and track and field begin for you? Um, funny you might say that back in high school in Jamaica, I wasn't coached to be a hurdler, right? But I taught myself how to hurdle by just watching. 
And then I had another young lady who joined the team and I said, hmm, let me show her how to hurdle as well. And then she listened and we're out there figuring things out by ourselves. Our coach at the time was a sprints guy and he was just, you had a lot of people coaching. So I said, let's figure this out. And we went ahead and she ended up doing really well at the girls' championships. Right? And I said, okay, this is good stuff. Good stuff. So after I graduated from high school, I taught fourth grade for a year and it was in one of the poor neighborhoods in Jamaica. And from fourth grade, I was uh, not coaching, just teaching. It was my first time teaching. So teaching fourth graders how to read, write, handle themselves. And then afterwards, I said, okay, I'm still training. Let me start training still. And then I kept going, kept going. And then a friend of mine said, hey, Carol, New York Institute of Technology is interested in having you coming there. I said, okay. Wasn't thinking about going to college for track. I was just training and getting ready to be a teacher, officially a teacher, right? Teacher and coach, because there's a college in Jamaica called GC Foster College. Mm -hmm. So at that time, I was getting ready to, to enroll at GC Foster College so I can become a PE um, teacher and a coach. There it goes. So here I am making that trip across to the U.S., different, different chapters of my life. So Carol, pause there. You know, last week we had Aaron Robinson, the associate director of Pin Relays. And one of the topics that we discussed there was the Jamaican culture within Pin Relays and, uh, you know, the importance of it in regards to recruiting for young kids and things like that. And right. I admittedly, even though when I was at Mississippi State, we had a, a really good uh, athlete from Jamaica, uh, Steve Mullins. Um, but I wasn't as he, he came from the junior college route of America. So it's not like I had to, uh, got to go to Jamaica and recruit. So I, right. I know very little about Jamaica. Talk to us about, you talked about the girls championships. Um, you talked about coaching and culture. Can you just give us a little bit of a, like, how does Jamaica work in regards to the differences in America? We, we, we understand air quotes, uh, the American system, ninth grade through 12th grade, um, you, you know, uh, state championships, varsity, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. Can you give us a little bit of background on Jamaica as it relates to school and, and track and field? Well, in Jamaica, we eat, breathe, and live track and field. <laughs> Mind you, track and field is not our number one sport. It's cricket. Oh, is that right? right? Cricket is our number one sport, right? Hmm. But apart from that, we live, breathe, and eat everything track and field, apart from that. So a lot of the kids there, it's a lot of intrinsic motivation, not what can you do for me, right? It's a lot of intrinsic motivation. I remember... After practice, I live on this hill. I mean, this hill may be about two miles from the main road. Walking, there were, it was so bad we couldn't drive up that hill because, you know, gullies and everything. So we had walked from the top of the hill down to get to the main road, right? Now, what I did on the weekends, I make myself a workout. One bump up the hill, walk back down. Two bumps up the hill, walk back down. This is me in high school, making workout for myself. One time I decided, okay, I want to do long jumps. I went and I dug a pit in the front of my yard. I dug a long jump pit in the front of my yard, right? You should see me that weekend digging that pit. That's <laughs> the wait, funniest wait. thing ever. In America, we will uh, hit a tennis ball up against the garage. We will oh you know, throw the baseball and football with our friends forever. You dug, first of all, I dug take a step back. You, you designed your own workout based on the bumps of the hill. Love that. Right, but then right. you dug your own long jump pit. I dug my own long jump pit, right? But here's, here's the funny part. 
after I finished digging that pit, I said, let me test it out. I hit that little mark that I made for myself, got in the air. I said, Dad, I'm, a, I'm afraid of heights. <laughs> I'm afraid of heights. Whoops. So there goes my long jump endeavor. <laughs> I didn't know before then that I was afraid of heights. <laughs> so you must have been real low on the hurdles when you started hurdling. It's like, yeah, all right, well, I'll stay low. Right? But I, I hit that, that spot and I took off. I said, whoa, no, <laughs> not for me. So that was it. So, but but they, they take it seriously back home, you know, and a lot of times they, they take it seriously because it's a means to an end for a lot of people, right? That is their way to get to college because we don't have a lot of colleges and universities there. And the ones that we do have, there are so competitive to get into. You could be a straight A student that doesn't guarantee you get a spot at one of those colleges. Hmm. So you have to figure out a way to get your education elsewhere, right? Because it, it's, it's competition, because even through seventh grade, you get into high schools at seventh grade back in Jamaica. And we have to take the common entrance exams at seventh grade. And before you get to seventh grade, it's fifth and sixth grade. And if you don't perform well in the common entrance exams, mind you, you have up to sixth grade to get, get it right. And you choose which two schools or three schools you want to go to. And if you don't get into any of those three schools, you got to go back to um, your middle school that they call it here and do another year. So if you take, it, if you take your common entrance in the fifth grade, then you're cool you, you, and you pass, you're good to go. Sixth grade and you don't pass it again for your sixth grade, you don't go to the regular high schools, you go to technical high schools, right? So that's the way it is. So it's competitive every which way you can think about it very competitive so i was lucky to pass when i was 11 so that was good so i was i got into the school that i wanted to go to and with that eat sleep and breathing track and field so when you do make it to the high school and i can think of a few like uh, maybe jago and vero yeah okay so when you get to the high school level um if there's a thousand kids at the high school what percentage actually go to do track do a lot of them do track uh, well, at my school, it was maybe maybe five percent because there are so many other sports. You had netball, you had uh, some people do swimming. We had field hockey. There is a lot of different sports that you can go into, right? But maybe I think maybe about five or ten percent of my high school because I went to St. Andrew High School for girls, okay. and that was a big time school, corporate school back in the day. But right now, the the main thing is Heidel, and uh, that's a, that's a one of the big schools right now. Heidel, they're really doing well. So, yeah, so that's the whole thing. So we take it seriously. And uh, some people, they just use it for, for fun, but you don't find that happen all the time. So when I came here and started my high school coaching career and the kids walked in and think it's for fun, I said, what the heck is this? Fun? We don't do things for fun, right? And I told them, up, I told the kids at one time, I said, no, having fun is winning, right? And I, I started coaching here at a collegiate prep school. So it's a very affluent prep school. And these kids came out for fun. And I said, no, 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 no. Winning is fun for me. So we changed our whole mindset for the kids. And they started thinking like, like, you know, this time that you're a sheep or a wolf. So they started thinking like wolves at that time. And it's really great that that culture that was developed over the years from the high school and then 
younger ones came in and, and saw what was going on and they just jumped right in. So that's why I think we were so successful at winning nine straight state championships on the girls' side. You know, the guys won eight out of nine. So it was just, that was the whole mentality. You come, they had a lot of fun, yes. But here's a kicker. When you walk onto the track, I never had to be there when it was time for warm-ups. All the coaches from the other programs would say, man, we always think there's a coach watching your kids, but no, they're, everybody's in command. And, they, and I could stand in the building and watch what's going on. And I say, yeah, this is it. This is really good. It's, it sounds like there's a difference when you're running and studying, you know, your academics, because you don't, there's not a lot of options. Like you, you either make it or you don't, or you, you, know, don't. you go to this where versus like, oh, there's a lot of options. If I don't make it in track, that's okay. Cause I'll just go become a student in college or mm -hmm, something like mm -hmm. that. Tell mm -hmm. us about the high school time for you uh, as an athlete. Uh, you mentioned kind of learning hurdles on your own. You had a coach, but it was more sprint based. And so maybe you didn't spend a lot of time there. Uh, and you found some success and enjoyment of working with a teammate and seeing her have success. That, yeah. That's a different mentality. You know, there's one of, I want to be successful. And then there's, it's a different, and this is the gene I think coaches have. Of, mm -hmm. Oh, I want someone else to, to achieve success. Yeah. Mm -hmm. how, how did that manifest itself as you continued through high school and then started looking at New York Tech? Um, and, and here's the thing. I wasn't even looking at coming to college here, right? So that was just an icing on the cake for us. Mm -hmm. So, and I was okay because I had plans to go off to GC Foster College. So that was my ultimate goal. And I had the grades and everything needed. So I was getting ready to go there. So, you know, and here's another thing too, is that we have shifts system set up in Jamaica at my school. So you're either on the morning shift or you're on the evening shift. And then the next year you switch because it's so big. So half the school population will come in the mornings and we overlap somewhere around the time. But then at the, in the evening section, everybody will meet for practice. So I would start my day at 6.30, walking down to catch a bus, 6.30 in the morning to catch a bus. And um, back home in the morning at 6.30 when you have the dew outside and everything. So you can forget about whatever hairdo you have. Right, because by the time you get to the bus, it was non-existent, right? <laughs> you know, I, I have that same issue today, Yeah, Carol. I can tell, I can tell, <laughs> right? So it was non-existent by the time we get to school. So we're there, and then practice starts at maybe 5, 4, 5 o'clock in the evening. You know, so I'm there from leaving the house at 6.30 in the morning, and I don't get back home until 8 o'clock at night. Sometimes I don't even go home. I just stay at a friend's house because, like I said, I lived in the countryside, right. right? So that's an hour and a half to school. So I just stay, I stay at my friend's house sometimes, you know, and it was so great staying at my friend's house because, and, and here's another story with that. My friend, Kareen Campbell was her name, is her name. And I stayed at her house during the week sometimes, right? My mother didn't even meet that family until, yeah, believe it or not until maybe a year and a half after I started going there and coming back. Huh. And I said to my mom, no, God rest her soul. I said to my mom, I said, mom, it's so crazy how you never once asked me, where are you staying? Who are these people? For all I know and for all you know, it could be with some old man somewhere. <laughs> she said, no, I trusted you. Yeah, my my wife won't let my kids go outside without where are you going, how long are you gonna be, who are you with? I know, I know. I didn't do the same with my daughter when she was growing up. I said, Nope, you're not going to people's house. They're coming over here. 
<laughs> I want to see their resume. I want to see some history. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, no, no. Take it further. When my daughter was growing up, I would volunteer in her classroom every Friday so I can know the kids in her class from she was three years old all the way up. So I would volunteer in her class so I know who the bad kids are. <laughs> and if they invite her to, to a birthday party, I said, I'm so sorry, but she's busy that weekend. <laughs> so that was me. I was a momager from day one. Momager. I love it. I love it. Well, tell us before we flip over coming to the United States, I have seen a video or two of the Jamaica, um, I would call it the high school champs. You, did you call it all champions or what? No, what we... the boys championships. The boys championships. The boys champs, championships. Yeah. And this looks like a madhouse. And I mean that in all the good ways. Like there are the best people thing in ever. the stands. People are going drums. Nuts drums you would think it, it, in america you would say oh this is like looks like a football game and here it is for a track meet tell us about that culture of the the all champ the championship meet i think that sets up everyone who competes at the boys and girls champs for anything mm -hmm. if you can go through the boys and girls championships you can survive any meet because man that meat puts some hair on your chest you know <laughs> you know so that if you survive that oh you can do anything it's like when I say, if you can make it in New York, you make it anywhere. If you can make it at the Boys and Girls Championships, you're good. Is it just because of the pressure or pressure, the, pressure. The, the competition or all of everything, it together? Hmm. Everything. People are in the stands and they're rooting on you and then they're betting against another person. So it's like the old boys come down from all over the, the world. You see people from repping their colors still. You know, and they come in and they rep and it's just the best feeling ever. One day you have to really get in chance and go to the Boys and Girls Championship. You'll never forget it. Yeah. A lot of people have like the Olympics or world champs on their bucket list. It, the championships in Jamaica are on my bucket That's list. The bucket it's like, list. I, I've heard it's nothing but just uh, oh my gosh. A, amazing chaos with a track mm -hmm. meet. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned, you know, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. What a great, uh, I don't know if you did this, set me up on purpose or not. That was awesome. <laughs> How does, and again, I've never been to Jamaica, but here's what I assume and what I've seen in pictures and videos uh -huh. is it's uh, a beautiful island, it's hot, beaches, et cetera. Uh, and I don't know exactly where New York Tech is in New York, but New York has a winter, no beaches. Uh, yeah. How, how did you survive? I'm from Alabama and I don't, I couldn't, I barely survive here in Illinois. Let me tell you something. When I first came to this country, it was in a January in one of the worst blizzards. In January. One of the worst blizzards, right? My mother had to work, so she was already living here. And I came up in January, started my semester in January, and she took me, and she didn't have a car. So it was uh, two buses, no, a bus, a train, and another bus. We were in Queens, and we had to go over to Old Westbury in Long Island. That was the next, next one over. And it was a bus, a train, and a bus. And that was me and her. And we had to register because school started, right? So she went and she took me over. And she said, mm, I've got to go to work. First week in this country. First Good day dropping me off. <laughs> i got to go to work. <laughs> this is a bus schedule. This is this, this, this. And after I registered for classes and uh, did my practice for that day, I had to find my way back home. Were you and scared? Was, like I said, I survived boys and girls' chance. <laughs> <laughs> I 
right? Wow. And I had my the 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 Metro card and whatever I needed. And I got home, but here's the thing. My final bus, I didn't know I had to transfer. So I sat on a bus after he got to the station. And he said, okay, where are you going? And I told him the address. He said, okay, you got to transfer to another bus to get to where you go. And I made it. Mm. I made it. You know, I, all of I, 19 years old, but I made it. I, I, at 46, I struggle from getting to my house to work sometimes. <laughs> With I mean, all I, the GPS. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. No, that, 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 thank God for GPS on phones. I I would struggle. I couldn't imagine the new country navigate cold, freezing. You're already so you're already in, cold. You're already freezing in stress cold. mode, mm-hmm. and you're trying to figure out what buses, what trains to get mm-hmm. back home. And, and knowing in the back of your head, like, man, if I don't figure it out, well, then I gotta figure out where to stay for the night. Like, that's right a, because wow. I didn't know anybody on the team. Right. I didn't know anybody. Carol, that, that is was crazy. And that's why I tell people that if I can move from Jamaica to Queens, New York, I can move to from New York to North Carolina, mm. right? It's it's, a, it's in the same country. It's not like moving out of the country again, right? It's the same country. Yeah, I I believe that if you could do what you did, good Lord, what what is going to stop you? What's going to get in your way here for? And so, I've raised my daughter like this too. You know, she is um she don't like to, like me to tell her age. So her stage age is thirty one. Mm. Her real age is her stage age. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So talk to us about your time at New York Tech. What did you study? What was the plan for a career? Was it always to be a track coach or what what did you think about doing? No, no. I wanted to be a child psychologist when I started New York Institute of Technology, right? And uh, after maybe a semester, I said, you know, something if I become a child psychologist, I'm going to take everybody's problems on my head. And I will, and I'm that type of person. I will take everybody and I will try to find a solution. I'll, I'll be in a madhouse. So I said, Mm-mm. and I look, and back in Jamaica, we weren't exposed to computers because back in those days, they didn't have the technology that they have now. So we had one class for computer science, not even computer science, just information systems, learning about the computers. That's a, that was a special class. So I took one class in that. And when I came to New York Institute of Technology, I said, okay, I, I love math, love English. I like computers too, but because we didn't have the resources of programming, so it was ingrained in my system to be a programmer. <laughs> so I'm more of the information systems type. Not data analytics, but more information systems, people, person, and computers combined. So that's what I did. So I, I majored in information system, minored in math. I, I had 24 credits in math, so that was it. I had 24 credits in my English classes. I just love to learn. So, you know, while we were there, we were, we were allowed to do summer classes. So I did summer classes every summer. I did art class. I did everything, just interesting classes, right? Because it was being paid for. So I just, I just did it. So by the time I was finished with college, I graduated with 140 something credits. Because <laughs> I just love to learn. You know, 16 I, credits every semester, you know, working on campus plus full-time with track. So we did everything. I went to college in Alabama. I think I had 47 credits is what I ended up with. Uh, <laughs> they still gave me a degree, so they can't take it back now either. Uh, where did this... You know, Karen, when you think about this, like really learning posture from to, from you, you know, I, I would like to learn. I want to learn about new things. Where does that come from? Was was mom a teacher, a family teacher? Where, where does that kind no, of curiosity, no. if you will, come from? 
my mom was a supervisor for the tax department in Jamaica. So that was her job. And she loved to learn herself because when she moved to the to the US, she moved here when she was um, maybe 50, maybe 55 thereabouts, right? And she came here and she switched her career. She ended up going to nursing school, you know, at that, at that stage. So she was always a lifelong learner herself. And I remember back in, um, back home, I wasn't in the science track in high school because you get pigeon, I, I call it pigeonholed. Mm -hmm. You get pigeonholed in different areas. I was in the business section and I, I love science. So I had a physics book at home in my shelf and I went through that thing and I was teaching myself physics, you know, teaching myself physics. Cause I really love to learn. You know, so that was it. That's really interesting that you're in the business track, but you had this passion for the sciences and physics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Huh. Oh, I love that. So yeah. besides being on the track team, nothing so far is telling me like, oh yeah, Carol's going to be a track coach. What, what did you do after you finished with your uh, information science and math minor here? Okay. So after I was done with that, I um, went to Domino Sugar Corporation. Domino Sugar, you know, the ones you have on your shelves all the time. They had this major factory in um, Williamsburg in Brooklyn. So that was my big major job. So it was me, my supervisor, two supervisors. And at that time, there was no networking from the, the factory itself to the offices. And we didn't have a real network system either back in those days. So we, we us three people, we um, ran Category 5 cables, get all of that thing going, hooked up the servers, got all the people in the offices connected. It was the best first job ever coming out of college. So that was my job. I worked there for a while and we designed and we you know, upgraded the computers, bought computers and I brought in two interns, one from Brooklyn College and one from Polytechnic. Interesting to know that the one from Brooklyn College is Corey Bennett, who is the head coach at Heidel, Right. So I brought him in. He was running at Brooklyn College. So I brought him as my intern to learn about computers. And he said, this is I've learned everything about computers in one summer. And then he went back to Jamaica and set up his whole network at his at his mom's school. Right. So he set up all the companies. So Corey Bennett had his first learning through me at Domino Sugar Corporation. I mean, what a small world. Is that, yes. Because to me, it sounds like track is out of the picture at this point but it, yeah, it you, really you, is i have no intention of coaching yeah. it really is so i'm coaching these interns on how to be computer technicians how to set everything up how to upgrade computers how to upgrade hard drives and everything of the sort so that was my job is just you know making sure the company was uh, in line with the technology and then after everything was done then we hold classes to teach the employees how to use the, the software how things work so it was a great first, for, it was a big job too. There's that, uh, that teaching seems to be staying closer and closer. It's like, oh yeah, well, we got to do that. But then we had to teach people. Mm -hmm. Coaching is teaching. So we had mm -hmm. to coach people on how to use that. Exactly. Besides Corey, who I love that, you know, here's this intern for this computer job for uh, Domino, uh, Domino's or Domino's? Domino's Sugar. Domino's, yeah, Domino's Sugar Corporation, yeah. Uh, and he's, he's a track guy. So that's the only real track connection. Were you, at this time, as you're going through this time there with them, um, setting up these computers and systems and then teaching them, what, what, where was track in your life? Are you still like trying to catch track on TV? Are you still, are you and uh, Corey talking track because that, you have that in common or? Um, Corey needed help with um, his starts. 
get it because he was a sprinter. So he needed help with his starts. So I helped him with his starts, even though we're there, we talk about that, helped him with that part. And I was still, I was still working out. I was still working out at a time, still staying in shape and still running um, unattached for club. Right. So I was still into it because I still loved the sport. So still training, still competing, nothing, nothing big, but just still getting out there. So after I was done with that summer with Corey, I decided to move on to a higher level, not for, not, nothing with sports still, still in the, in the corporate world. So I'm still in the corporate. So I moved on from there to ABC News, ABC News, Midtown Manhattan, right? So Midtown Manhattan, I was same thing, working with, with networking and the teaching the staff and we were help desk. So if people need help, go and figure out what, what their problem is. So that was that. Still no sports. I mean, everybody listening right now is going, wait a minute. She does coach at Johnson C. Smith, right? She's the head coach. Right. Where, where are we at? We're at ABC News. We're at a sugar company. Uh, and I know we still don't. The next position still isn't in track and field. Where, where do still we go no after, sports. Yeah, where do we go after ABC? After ABC, it was J.P. Morgan um, um, Chase on Wall Street. For J.P. Morgan State, that was a great job, too. J.P. Morgan State, at the time, my daughter was here as well. She was... Um, she was maybe five at the time, maybe about five years old at the time. So she was going to school in Brooklyn and I had no inkling to push her in track and pee either. I couldn't swim. So my thing is to get her swimming. So that was, that was the only sports she was, I was interested in having her do, learning how to swim, playing the piano. Those were things that, she, that I think every little person should learn. So that was what she was doing. So at, at JP Morgan Chase, I was a server engineer. And what the server engineers do is that we, we mirror whatever is in the corporate world. So whatever is in each segment. So my support era was Bournemouth in England, Hong Kong, and of course, Northeast. So if any servers go down, then you know that's millions of dollars lost right there. So we had to have, we have our own lab. And in our lab, we mimic what goes around in everybody's server. So if we need to put a new software on any of these servers or an update, we run it through the lab first, test it against every other application that sits on the server so that makes sure that nothing breaks, right? So we do all of these things and we try to crash the servers to see what would crash the server. And we have to figure out how to fix that crash and what bug fixes we needed. So we did all of that all through. And I work with all men, which is even a better thing too, because we can argue about everything and after we're done arguing, okay, who's buying lunch, right? We don't take things personal. It's okay, who's buying lunch, right? It was great. So we had to do that. And of course, when we roll out anything to London or to Bournemouth or anywhere, we have to stay behind and make sure that, okay, everything's working right. And another good thing is we have to make sure right detailed documentation about how you do, how you put this on your server, how to work. If this happens, this is a solution. And we had to do complete documentation and have that package and shipped off. So that was that, my job. That sounds fascinating. I mean, literally when you're talking about, you know, you have mirrored servers and you're trying to break things, things like that. Now you lost me when you went to documentation. I'm not real good <laughs> at that. But the and, rest and of that- And here my technical writing back in at New York Institute of Technology. Right. I did a lot of technical writing. So I had a minor in technical writing. So you're doing these, I mean, really cool. I mean, this is a, a fascinating career path that you're on. You're, mm -hmm. uh, you continue to add more responsibilities, 
bigger responsibilities. I mean, working for one of the largest banks in the world, you're right. You, yeah. One one mistake not only could cost the company millions, but you know our 401ks and uh -huh, stock markets uh -huh. are, you never are know. right. Never exactly. Know. So you you know the responsibilities are tremendous. Mm -hmm. And and track is nowhere in your mind. No, just no, nowhere. Still nowhere. You know, I like to watch the sports. Yeah, but that's just about it. So like I said, my daughter, the only thing I needed for her to do was learn to swim, right? So put her in swimming classes, make sure she's in, um, intellectually developing. And all, that's my, that was my main focus. You're, you're not volunteering at the local high school. You're mm -hmm. not. I only volunteer in her classroom. So I do junior achievement. So I take the junior achievement packages and I go to her classrooms and I teach them about business and finance and all of those things for the little ones coming up. So that was all junior achievement of New York. So that was all I was in. Every Friday, I took my lunchtime and I go over to her school and I teach. Okay, Carol. The podcast is called the Gill Track and Field <laughs> Connections Podcast. How, where, where does track, I mean, I mean, I feel like everybody's listening going, well, man, Mike's branching out to non-track coaches, I guess. Where in the world and how, because I still can't, like to me- you there's nothing there yet. No, you have a huge chasm between- J.P. Morgan Chase uh -huh. and coaching track and field. Like, mm -hmm. how do we connect the dots there? How does this happen? Okay, so now 9-11 happened, mm -hmm. right? And that was a turning point. So I said, okay, I'm doing so much, making good money, yes. You know, I'm not going to deny that. I'm making all the money. My daughter is doing great. But at one time, I said, okay, now is the time I've got to figure out what is more important, right? What is more important? So I say, is it the money? And now she's getting to be nine years old, coming on 10. This is going to be the critical point in these kids' lives, right? Where I have to be there. Right. So this is a mid, almost, because she was, she's always a bright kid. So at 10 years old, she's in sixth grade, right? So sixth grade at 10 years old. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Wait, I, didn't, I didn't think. I was like, wait, my son is in sixth grade. He ain't 10. He's 12. Okay, yeah, so, so she's, she's advancing. Very advanced, wow. very advanced. She started reading chapter books when she was five, right? So, so she's now ten in the sixth grade. Going on, going this, and I had to hold her back a year because <laughs> I held her. I had to repeat a grade, grade four, because she was just it was just she was just going too much. And I said, and I said to her, when I explained it to her, I said, you know, some Ariel. I said, you're going to go to the mall with your friends when you're in middle school and high school. You're going to want to talk about Rugrats. They're not going to want to talk about rugrats, right? So she understood when I held her back in fourth grade for a year. And even though I held her back, she was still ahead of the game, right? So she was just going on and I said, you know, so let's, let's figure it out. So for a year, I took a whole year to do research on where to move next. Because she has never been in public schools before. So I want to make sure that the right place, I'm going to the right place and make sure that there's a great swim program there for her as well. So I've got nothing but track yet. So make sure there's a good swimming program. She can intellectually develop and the whole nine yards. So I did a whole research. It was either North Carolina um, or Florida. Hmm. So that's okay. Where in North Carolina? So I did research demographics, air, air quality, schools, swim clubs, how close it is to New York because I still have to make to have ties to New York. So I said, okay, let's figure it out. So I did all the research, quality of life. I said, okay, Charlotte, it will be. Because Charlotte had Swim Mac, you know, Mecklenburg Aquatics Club. 
big time swim club. So I said, I always get there. It was too late for me to register at either one of those three public private schools, Charlotte Latin, Providence Day or Country Day. So I pay, oh, fine, I'll get you into a good school. So she was zoned for our, maybe, you know, it wasn't the top tier middle school, but it was a good middle school. But she said, mommy, what's the best middle school in Charlotte? So I said, well, the research shows that it's South Charlotte Middle School at the time. So she said, okay, can you drive me over there? That's okay. Didn't know where it was coming. Wait, this, is a, this is a 10 year old. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She didn't ask who has the coolest uh, playground, where mm -hmm. uh, closest mm -hmm. to the mall. I don't know. I'm trying to think mm -hmm. of things that my son mm -hmm. would ask for. Mm -mm. Wow. Okay. What, who has the best? And what she used to do, and I still have her pink portfolio. She has a pink portfolio that she kept all of her best work. All of her, and I still have that. It's, it was, it was amazing. Her best work. So she took that pink portfolio on her arm, and I drove her out to South Charlotte Middle School. And I, I asked them. It was in the summertime. They still had office hours. And I said to them, I said, oh, "My daughter would like to speak to someone about transferring." And I, I never run things for her, right? So I sat in the waiting room and I let her go do her thing. She came back up with her signed paper, signed for transfer to South Charlotte Middle School. Yeah, that because from day one, I, I, I believe in letting her advocate for herself. So even when as a six-year-old, we would go to the pediatrician, she would take her little list that she needed to speak to her pediatrician about. And I don't speak for her. I said, I, I let her speak for herself so she can talk about what's going on. Yeah, right? So yeah. from she was six, that was it. I, I was going to say, um, Carol, we should retitle this to how to parent. I mean, because this is a direct reflection of you and how you interact, how you lead, how you step away and let her lead mm -hmm. at, at a young mm -hmm. age. This is, mm -hmm. I mean, bravo, mom. I mean, come yeah. on. I know it takes a village. There's a lot of, you know, there's teachers it, 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 and yeah. things, but there has to be a leader and it has to start, my opinion, at the house. Carol, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. what a job mm -hmm. you have yeah. done and are doing as a parent. Yeah. So she went and she got her thing signed. And I said, okay, so we just have to drive her to school, you know, and there's no bus service because this is what she chose. And my mother, she, she was the best grandmother. So she was driving her to school, picking her up. And at the same time, my nephew, who was 14, he moved in with me from New York because he was getting himself in trouble in New York. So I moved him in with me when he was 14 as a freshman in, in Providence High School. So he blossomed when he came because he said he didn't want to disappoint me. So I said, that's, a, that's good to know. That's good to know. He's married now with, with kids, you know, but that is good to know that he didn't want to disappoint me. You know? so, so that was it. But we haven't gone to track yet. Uh, so saying, now she's 10. It, and you, care. you have to make money. So what, what job? What, what career? Oh, yeah, exactly. So the, the good thing, like I said, is that I was making quite a lot of money in New York working there. So I was good with my savings. And when I sold my house in New York, I just came and bought a townhouse here. So I don't have to worry about mortgages and anything of the sort, right? So that set me up where I can, you know, find my, my, my time where I want to go. And I walked in Providence Day School. And I walked in off the street with my resume and I said, uh, hello, I'm Carol Lawrence. And uh, do you have any openings? And I said, they looked at Marissa and said, oh my gosh, you're so super qualified. And I said, but Mrs. Fricky down there, she has a opening for a field hockey coach. I said, okay, 
Oh yeah, that was my second sport. Well, well, okay, I was about to say you had not mentioned playing or yeah, that you, was my second. You sport. You haven't even said the word field hockey. Okay, so you did play field hockey. I, yeah, I, I was like, Carol, if you tell me you walked up the street and started coaching field hockey, I'd be like, get out of here, come <laughs> on, man. I'm just, unbelievable. Okay, that so was you, my you had a field sport. hockey experience. Okay, right. Good. All right okay. And I played club field hockey during college as well. So on the okay. summertime, I do club field hockey. So that was my second sport. I, I found I that. I found that you are not superwoman. Good. That's that's right, a good I'm not quality. Yeah, that's a good quality. Okay. All right. So you walk in. First yeah. of all, I can only imagine someone looking at your resume, going, "You want a teacher?" Yeah. Like, what do you? And then going, uh, "Yeah, Miss Vicky needs help in the field hockey." And you're like, "Sweet." Right. <laughs> so I, I mean, they were the sweetest people on this planet at Providence Day School. So I walked down, met Barbara Fricky and Sue Fitzgerald right there. So they, they were like. You know, buddies. So Mrs. Fitzgerald, Sue Fitzgerald, and and and, and um, Barbara Fricky. And Barbara said, "Yes, we could use her." And it was such a great thing meeting Barbara Fricky as well because Mrs. White, who was a computer science, computer applications teacher at Providence School at the time, she was getting ready to retire. And Barbara said she just called me when I was in of the the. He said, "Mrs. White, Gina White is going to retire. Gina White, so go up and get the, and get a job." That was like fate right there, right? That, that's what I was thinking. I was like, wow, it was meant for you to go and, and right. do this. Wow. Right. So I went there and I coached field hockey in the, in the fall. And then we had track in the spring. Of course, that's that month, my next sport I was going to coach. So she said that we have openings for track as well. So I said, perfect. So using my knowledge from back in high school and college and the whole nine yards, you know, I'm coaching them kids and, you know, they're having fun and I said guys we got to take this seriously I'm not going to come on here if you're not taking this seriously and the kids said to me you know something coach Lawrence you are the first coach that we've had in a long time who worries about the people at the bottom as well I said yeah I believe in coaching from the bottom up right so we are as strong as our weakest kid on this team so if I can't make that weakest kid on the team be better than somebody else's team over there then I'm not doing my job so I make sure that everybody from the bottom up gets what they need to be successful and I don't know what success for each person is but I'm I'm coaching them up to what I think their success should be which is way above here a lot of people say no you haven't those are too high goals I said no it's not you just haven't applied yourself yet right so I said just jump on and you'll see that you'll get there so there's kind of, you know, not being a, you, you weren't either uh, an education major, but my understanding a little bit is, you know, there's kind of two philosophies and there's probably 20, but you know, there's coaching down to the lowest denominator. So you have 20 kids, you make sure the 20th person. And so the, the, the fear there is like, oh, well, your top, uh, just using academics here, kids, well, they don't get taught very well because you're teaching down to the 20th. And there's the reverse. It's like, no, you teach to the top, call it 10%, and the bottom kids will- Will follow up, right? Yeah. That's or, the whole thing, right? Or fall off. Yes. Right. They'll yes. either they'll either follow up or they will fall off. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit. I want to dive into that because that was very interesting what you said of, I believe coaching from the bottom up. So how does that manifest itself? Knowing that we don't talk about X's and O's. Right, 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 really, right, right. But talking about that philosophy, how does that manifest itself with how you coach the kids then? If you if you coach from the bottom up, what does that mean? Expound more on that. All right. So the top have their, everybody has the workouts. The top people in this group, they're the ones that's going to 
always fighting, always going. They always have that. But the bottom needs a little bit more prodding, right? A little bit more encouragement. Now, I'm giving this top of the group, they're just workouts, right? But I'm making sure that these people at the bottom try to get up there as well, right? So it's not a matter if I'm going to give them the hardest workout and then they're going to say, I'm going to quit because I can't handle this. No, I'm designing a program where the people at the top have what they need as well to be successful. And the person at the bottom have what they need as well to come up, right? So that's my bottom-up approach. I don't like to leave anybody behind. And, and Anna, Anna Cockrell is, the, is my, my most, the highest level athlete that I've coached, right? And she would tell everybody that, you think coach treated me special? Mm -mm. She didn't. Right. So I didn't leave everybody behind to go focus on Anna Cockrell or Gracie Whalen. Right. Gracie Whalen is another great one that came out of here or Olivia. Hughes, she's now at Princeton. You know, I didn't leave all the, these kids behind to say I'm going to focus on these only. So everybody feels that they're wanted and everybody felt that everybody felt that they were my I was their favorite or they were my favorite. So it sounds like intentionality like i'm being intentional with exactly. whether you're the 20th or the first exactly. you're going to get instruction and care exactly. from me exactly exactly so how did it go you're in charlotte you're in a new city a new state a new career mm -hmm. yeah new career <laughs> how did this go uh for coaching um it took it took um maybe two years from that point because I told people I'm very direct I don't like to sugarcoat things you know I like to tell you straight and I like to make sure and, and some people can't handle it some people can't but at the end of the day all them kids man they say you know some coach that was the, the part that I love most that you were so honest in what you're telling and, and I don't mean I don't do it to be mean-spirited you know I just do it because you have to know you have to know that this is not, and, and I've been doing this for so long that I can't tell which kid belongs where, right? Well, so, now you can. This is still early in your coaching. I mean, we've now gotten to coaching. What were you, so you obviously had um, your experience to fall back on from high mm -hmm. school and college mm -hmm. track and field. Mm -hmm. What were you doing? I always like to talk about coaching education. It was it was a yes. big deal for my yes. career. Yes. Are, you, are you doing any, to me, there's two types of coaching education. There's formal, so mm -hmm. USATF mm -hmm. level ones and things Did like that. that. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. there's informals. Uh, yeah, I um, buddied up with the coach at such and such university mm -hmm. and picked their ear for everything. What were you doing to make yourself a better track coach, coaching education wise? USAT level, um, level one, my AD, Barbara Fricke. No, actually, was it Barbara Fricke this time? No, or was it Nancy Beatty? I had some great ADs, right? So I think it's maybe Nancy Beatty. That's always so, helpful. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> always helpful. So so Nancy or, 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 or Barbara, one of those two ladies, they paid for me to do my level two certification at Villanova. So after I did my level two, and then, you know, a lot of times when you think that, okay, it's a cookie cutter program, everybody, it, it doesn't work like that because everybody's different. You know, I look at some kids, well, like one kid, she came out and as she was running, I said, no, no front side, very weak here, there, whatever. So for a, almost an entire season, all that kid did was walked. I have her for four years, right? So, so freshman year, 
mechanics. We walked for, for a couple of weeks and then we started doing running and then we just started building on that. And, and you know that kid now, she won the HEP at Brown University. Brown, when we had the, the COVID shut down, right? So she won the HEP in the 400 at Brown. <laughs> So it's a lot of a lot of different, you know, I have to look at every kid, like one kid, I said, no, that kid walks, that leg isn't pushing off, right? And I'm looking at how they're walking and I'm, and, I, and, and I'm guilty of this all the time. I'm looking at kids walking around school and I can know the kids by how they walk. I don't have to look at their face. I look from behind, I say, okay, this is, this is Tom. This is, I don't even have to know who they are from the front because I know how they walk, right? So I look at every kid differently, like even right, you know, there I'm designing a program for the team, but I'm breaking it down per student. So a kid come in and this is a general workout. Yes, but we'll have to pull aside a little bit and do a little bit different for this kid or a little bit different for that kid. So I'm more, and I go to bed at 12, one o'clock at night thinking about the different kids and what needs to be fixed for this kid. And I go home and I, and I do self-evaluations at the end of the, I don't wait for the end of the season. I do self-evaluation in the middle of the season or two, three weeks later, I said, you know, this kid might be in the wrong event. You know, let me see if this is the right one. Like one prime example, I have a young lady who, you know, she thinks she was a sprinter and a hurdler. I mean, she ran 14 change in her hurdles, right? But when she did her bounding, I said, whoa, that bounding looks really nice. Let's try triple. And she's at UPenn right now for triple. Right? I said, let's try triple for this. She hit 39 feet for her junior in high school. So yeah, and I'm looking at what they're doing. I said, okay, let's try this. Let's try that. And it's like a lot of trial and error for some people. And, they, and they're bored. And the thing is, they trust that I, that I have their best interests at heart. They trust the process and they trust that I'm, I'm going to get them at the right spot. For, for that specific athlete, did you say she was running 14 point in the hurdles before yeah. you? So, so a lot of... Um, coaches i was gonna say high school coaches maybe as you know as you move down from college to high school maybe you know 14 point is more uh valuable in the sense of you know winning more conference championships points and, yeah and, and state even um you know a lot of coaches would be like hey uh you know the whole don't broke it don't, ain't broke it, it ain't broke don't yeah. fix or yeah if it ain't broke don't fix it or something yeah, like that yeah, yeah. This seems because that's risky, right? I mean, you got a 14 point kid for, and, and she's young. She's probably doing that either mm -hmm, sophomore, mm -hmm, junior year. So it's mm -hmm, like, oh mm -hmm, man, maybe mm -hmm, she'll run 14 low mm -hmm, or even 13 mm -hmm, senior mm -hmm. year or in college. Mm -hmm. But you asked the question, you, you saw something in a, in a drill, call it, you know, it's bounding yeah, yeah. in a workout and you were willing to take the risk of like, Hey, mm -hmm. let's, you know, this seems a little bit better, but let's, it, which mm -hmm. could have blew up in your face. She could, have been, a, she could have been a triple, a terrible triple jumper. And then that would have deterred her from being a good hurdler. Right, right. Does that come from the information science business part of life of looking at things and asking questions of like analytics? Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I love to do a what if analysis with the kids. I love to do what if analysis is with, with, with the kids. So and for, and for her and I, and I know that she wouldn't win the state championships for the, the, the hurdles because uh, um, confession, we had three more hurdlers besides her who was running 13 points and 14 points. So she well, was the that's fourth helpful. on the list. Yeah, okay. Right. Right. So I said, okay, I know she wasn't going to win the state championships in this, but I know she can win the triple and the long. Mm -hmm. So let's focus there. <laughs> and it worked out great. And during this time there at Providence Day, um, any mentors, any coaches that you're, you know, when I'm when I'm trying to figure out, should I take her to the triple jump? Should I, what should I else? How do I get these 13 kids to 13 low? Anybody you're bouncing ideas off of? Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -mm. No, I'm bouncing ideas off of people like um, Brooks Johnson. Mm. You know, I, I bounce ideas of him. Carol Smith Gilbert, lovely person. She would call and check in on me sometimes too. So bounce ideas, you know. So Vince Anderson, love bouncing ideas off of him. Mm -hmm. and, he, and he's always quick to respond. You know, I say, hey, Coach Vince. And he would quick time text back and say, okay, this is it. So, you know, those are the three big ones that I have. And and and, and I even told about how I even got here. But after winning the ninth um, state championship of Providence Day School and taking so many kids to the, to, you know, to the next level, I said, okay, well, um, I want to go back to corporate. Yeah, I want to go back to corporate. So I said, let me get my resume in, in order and start going back. Okay, how am I going to get back to corporate America? Because I, I, I was really missing the... But the interaction with grown-ups, right? <laughs> you, you know, After 15 years. Every coach has to admit that. Come on, you've got to. Like, it's great working with 14, 18-year-olds and 18 Oh, my God. There, there's a lot of value. It keeps us young and all that kind of good stuff. Oh, I know, I know, right? But. But, but <laughs> 15 years of teaching. And I love, I was teaching AP Computer Sciences. So I'm still in my, in my comfort mm -hmm. zone, right? AP Computer Science principles, um, web design, computer applications. I'm still teaching all the computer stuff. I said, I really want to get back to corporate. So at the end of, you know, it was end of last school year. I said, I told, I told him, I don't know where I'm going to go or where I'm going to be, but I'm not re-signing my contract to come back to Providence Day School to teach or to coach. Now, hold on, um, Carol. I'm just done. You might be one of the riskiest people I know. <laughs> I'm just done. You, you, you did a great job with your finances. So you're able financially in the decisions you made to go from New York to New Charlotte York. without having a job lined up. Now you still don't have a job. You just know like, ah, I want to go back to corporate. You don't have anything lined up. And you're like, yeah, be fair with you guys. I'm, I'm not going to resign. But yeah. you, don't, you don't have the thing in the vision or not the vision. The vision's there. The reality, the, the next yeah. step is not, you can't see that there. next step. And, and like I always tell my daughter, I said, just jump and the parachute will open. Right? I always tell her that, jump. First of all, that is open. terrible advice if you're actually in a plane. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I want to give, you know, there's going to be disclaimers here. Please do not go. Uh, oh, don't jump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Parachute. Have the parachute. Have someone smarter than you check that parachute. Please, please, please. You know, I said, I, said, I, I always tell my daughter, man, I said, I said Ariel. Just jump, man. You may get a few bumps along the way, but the parachute will open. <laughs> so I said, I'm going to live by that. So she even came back and she told us, she said, Mommy, live by faith. <laughs> so I said, okay, Aaron, I'm taking your advice like you take my advice all the time. Live by faith. And it so happened that my good friend, K. Marie Jones, who was the assistant coach at Georgetown, she texted, she said, call. She said, Carol, there's an opening at Johnson C. Smith University. I think you're perfect fit for that job. I said, um, all right, let me just send my resume in. Yeah, right. and let's, I let's let's pause there because that's that brings us to the present. You know, mm -hmm. spoiler alert: she got the job right. But uh, you mentioned three truly amazing people that I'd like to touch on real quick. So you mentioned yeah. Vince Anderson, who 
Come on, man. I mean, mm. uh, if he needs an introduction, you need to do more history checking of track and field. Vince is amazing, an amazing person. Just got to see him uh, last month in um, uh, down in Texas. So got to speak to yeah. him very briefly, but man, just love him. You mentioned Carol Smith Gilbert, one of the, I don't even know how to describe her because words can't yeah. do it justice. I just believe in her so much. You know, she, she and I have worked together for a long time through many, many different universities. And, you know, she's the type of person, no matter where she goes, success happens. Yeah. Like she's the type of person. I think if she decided to go, uh, you know what, I'm going to coach field hockey next season. I think that field hockey team very quickly would be a national champ or state champ. I mean, she's just a leader who knows how to get things done. So I love Carol. And, and those made sense because I still want to touch on some of the athletes, uh, especially Anna, because, you know, I, I always hate to call any athlete a once in a lifetime athlete, right? Because uh, right, 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 you, right, you right, hope right. to always have more and, and more of, uh, mm -hmm. but I do want to touch on Anna here in a second. Uh, but so like a, a person like Vince and Carol makes sense because of, you know, you've had a lot of kids get recruited, you mentioned Brown and Princeton, things like that. So you always right. had a lot of interactions with college coaches. But you said another person who's a who's a Gill podcast alum, by the way, and I highly recommend, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't uh, listened to this person's podcast, you have to because it is, I don't want to do too much hyperbole, but it's life changing. It really is interesting to see his journey, uh, how he came through for track coaching and his experiences, which are off the charts. You mentioned mm -hmm. Brooks Johnson. Mm -hmm. Now, Brooks isn't coaching college. So how did you get introduced to Brooks? Because that, I, I mean, like I said, I don't want to do over hyperbole and say it's life changing. But, you know, when you have a conversation with Brooks, it's different than even a Vince and a Carol. And I hold them to high esteem. Yeah. How, how did you get introduced to, to Brooks Johnson? I can't even remember. I can't, I really can't remember. But I remember, um, I don't even remember how it happened. But, you know, something here's it. Vince, not Vince. Brooks hold these sessions on Wednesday nights. I can't remember the name of the session, yeah, but I jumped uh, in on one of those sessions. The USATF. Yeah, USATPACA. I'm not sure what yeah, PACA stands yeah. for. Yeah, yeah. So he holds those sessions on Wednesday nights. So I jumped in one Wednesday um, night, and I still do that every now and then because when I when I don't have to do too much paperwork, so I still jump in every now and then. And you know, Vin, he, Brooks asked me a question, and then we were answering the question, and he said to me, he said, Carol don't ever think that you're just a high school coach. You are a phenomenal coach. Amen. 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 I, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to say that I'm going to say the hate, the H word. I hate, I hate the word just, just. it, yeah. it belittles you. Mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. just a high school mm -hmm. coach. No, you're not. Mm -hmm. You are a high school coach. You mm -hmm. affect 14 to 18 year olds in a positive manner. I'm just a track coach. Mm -hmm. You are not. Nope. You are nope. a track coach. Mm -hmm. So he said, don't say you're just a high, you are a phenomenal coach. Right. And I said, and when I told him I'm, I'm moving over to here from, um, from high school, he said, don't forget, I started in high school too. Right. So he said, you know, your stuff. So go ahead and do your stuff. See, ladies and gentlemen, you got to go listen to Brooks Johnson, whatever app you're listening to this podcast right now, just type in Brooks Johnson, Gill Athletics, Brooks Johnson, whatever it, mm -hmm. it really, it was so interesting interviewing him and he was so gracious. I mean, now we're at episode, uh, you know, we're getting really close to episode 200 here. Wow. Uh, we're in our fourth year. Um, and so, you know, we've had a lot of amazing, amazing people. Uh, but when we first started, you know, it wasn't legitimate. Like no one knew of the Gill Connections podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, so people early, like had to take a real chance, like 
do I trust Mike to, to, to you know, <laughs> honor me and mix, right, you know, and, right. and Brooks was an early person to, to trust me and to trust us here at Gill Athletics. And his journey was so not inspiring or awesome. It was, it was all those things. It was so personal to hear the things that he went through personally because mm -hmm, of his mm -hmm. time frame here in America. Yeah. And then his it's his thought process. It, it, it is exactly what you said there about like, he would get on you and go, Oh no, no, no. Don't say just mm -hmm. like, that's not, that's that, that belittles you and the actions that you take that mm -hmm. his, his whole thought process really changed me and how I think about how I do and serve coaches through my role here at Gil Athletics. It really right. was phenomenal. really was. So I, that's, that's why when you mentioned his name, I was like, Oh, we got to touch on a Brooks. I mean, he is a guy that and, and has done so many things that is, he, he deserves every time his name comes up, he deserves to be yeah. uplifted. It's, it's quite Definitely. amazing. So Definitely. tell us, you had a lot of success there. Um, amazing athletes and, you know, Anna Cockrell, who, I mean, come on, man. I mean, was phenomenal in high school, you know, had great coaches in college, Carol, yeah. uh, and continued mm -hmm. doing that. What was it like, you know, we go through coaching high school and we run the gamut, right? We're going to coach uh girl, uh, 13 flat, hundred meter girls in, in, in the, uh, hundred meters, not the hundred. Right, 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 right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, exactly. Uh, we're going to coach, you know, 14 foot long jumpers. And as we continue to be better at our craft and we get lucky with genetics, mm -hmm. we get the kid mm -hmm, who has mm -hmm. the genetics to do it. We're going to coach 20 foot long jumpers, 19 foot long jumpers. We're going to coach uh, 13, nine high hurdlers, uh, 43 second, 300 hurdlers. Anna was very, very gifted. Um, I think she would have done well, no matter who was coaching her because she had the, the God given talent. However, mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. took a coach who knew how to a, how to coach and how to coach her to get some phenomenal performances out there. Yeah. What's, what's it like when you have someone on, on the, on the team like that, uh, the responsibility of you as a high school coach to nurture that talent and advise as they start looking at colleges, et cetera. Right. Talk to us about that process. And, and then you talk about responsibility when she came in the ninth grade, you know, we had a, a conversation where she said that, she doesn't want to do the 400 meter hurdles. She's only here for the 100 meter hurdles. And I said, mm, really? Okay. So we just go through and, and you know, after a freshman year, even during a freshman year, and I'm realizing how she's locked in, how dedicated she is to the sport. And she, she, she you know, she didn't think about going to that next level. She just, she didn't even think about the Olympics or anything, but, but I had that vision. Okay. This is, this is the mentality of a champion right here. And here's the thing, she had the best parents. Her parents would drop her off at practice and then leave, come back and pick her up and don't even interfere with what goes on. They did not interfere a lick in anything that goes on at practice. In her yeah. freshman year, was she running superb times? Meaning like, was she 13, or mm -hmm. was she a developmental? Uh, and we're all developmental, but I mean- what, Yeah. What, yeah, okay, T tell us about- Anna couldn't make the four by four team her freshman year. Oh, really? She could not make the four the, the freshman team. Her her freshman four hundred hurdles was one hundred six. Well, okay, but you're not running four hundred hurdles in high school in North yes, Carolina. We, yeah, we do. We do. I take them to meets where they run four hundred meter hurdles. But, but, but they're running the three hundreds for state. And yes. Comp. Oh, okay. Yes. So, but, yes. so, so, so she I, won. She won everything her, her freshman year. Okay, that's all for conference. Okay. She won everything. But, but the fact that she couldn't make the four by four relay team. So what that, that says me, a lot. 
Yeah, at Penn Relay, she was in the stands watching the four by four, but she ran on a four by one. So she she worked and she listened. And, and when you explain something to her one time, you don't have to rehash it. And that was how she developed so quickly. Hmm. Because you you explain rhythm and tempo and everything to her that one time. You know, I said, this is what we need to work on. So when she first came, I gave her the list of things that we need to work on. Because I like to give them lists and we can check things off. And then the next year, the list may grow again, you know, based on what we had, what we saw the, the previous year, it would grow again. But then we're going to talk about responsibility as a coach. So I knew what I had when her freshman year. And I said, okay, I can't just sit back on just a level two certification, right? I had to take it a step further. So I went and I did the IAAF level five for sprint hurdles and relays in down in Florida and uh, USATF level three. And that was um, 2013, 2014, no, 2013, I did that, you know, and then I had to make sure, and I did a lot of research about step patterns and, you know, bought all these books from man, you know, Ralph Mann to make sure yeah. we looked at her biomechanics. So I did a lot of study, a lot of research. And it not, it's not only for Anna, but for everybody that comes to me. But she is the one that let me raise my game as a coach because of who I had, who I was responsible for. So I had to raise my level as a coach, right? And then we never look back. We never look back. Was there a practice, a conversation, or maybe a meet result that, you, 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 if a kid can is good enough to compete in the college level, regardless of level, by the way, NAI, Division Three, Division Two, Division One, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you, you are, you, you know, we we tend to forget that that kid is in a very small percentage. There's not out of all the kids that participate in high school track and field, a very small percentage very small. go on to the next level, JUCO, etc. Mm -hmm. So those kids are special. I ain't taking mm -hmm, that away. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. then there is, I don't know, every year maybe there is maybe twenty kids across the the entire spectrum that are just like man if they don't make it to the olympics yeah injury exactly. or something mm -hmm. had to have happened was mm -hmm. there a, a a practice a conversation a meet result where it was like oh yeah oh no no she's good but wait a minute i i actually might have some something this might be a little bit more this might be the point one percent was there a, mm -hmm. any kind of like ref, you know reflection moment in the sand where it's like oh wait a minute Anna's uh Anna's really good but no no she she she's there's something special here right that was during it, was, it used to be um is it Taco Bell um I don't remember the name the, of that meet the, that meet in South Carolina yeah Bojangles yeah. Bojangles yeah I think it used to be called Taco Bell and then they right Bojangles. yeah 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 mm -hmm. right right so when she went to that meet she was a freshman and Kamacha Quinn was a senior that year right and she went to that meet, she made the finals. And I can't remember if she got second. I think she got second in that meet. And uh, she broke 14 seconds for the first time at that meet. And uh, she was so excited. And I said, okay, she matched my excitement for her and, and her growth and development. So I said, yeah, she's gonna be, she's gonna be good. And I took her that summer, that same summer to the USA trials for U6. They, they usually have U16 at the time. And she missed it by one spot, one spot to make the team. I said, okay, we, 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 we get this. We got this. And that was it. 
You know, I love that story because sometimes we think when you have such a gifted athlete like an Anna and some of the others that you've had, that um, it becomes easy to coach. It's like, oh, well, you just kind of, you know, just do the workout and, you know, the God-given talent will take there. It's hard to take a a 13-9 kid to 13-5, a 13-5 to 13-4, (laughs) almost went to 13 flat. That's extremely hard. And you kind of started explaining already, you started, okay, if she's up in her game, well, then you have to up your game. So you started going mm-hmm. to some uh, the IWF uh, level fives. And mm-hmm. uh, you talk about Dr. Mann, who, gosh bless, has done so much for us in the biomechanics mm-hmm. world for our, our athletes. Mm-hmm. You started really kind of doubling down, if you will, on your own coaching Exactly, skill. exactly. And and it wasn't just for her. I, I used to spend countless hours videotaping and taking still shots of all the kids and send them their still shots frame by frame. And we talk about that, regardless if you're down at the bottom of the pile or up here. Mm-hmm. So I would go to bed very late at night, trying to get everybody to see where they are, you know, and this is at a high school level. So, so that they can understand it. So even with a superstar like Anna, you still kept with your philosophy of uh, coaching from the bottom up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And Anna would tell everybody, she said, no, Coach Lawrence, I'm not special. I'm never, I'm not special. So she would tell everybody, right? All the kids who have come in who have gotten really successful because we've had so many individual state champions, you know, and even those individual state champions would tell everybody, no, I'm not treated special. Like Anna would tell everybody, the first time I ever told her that I was proud of her was her junior year in high school. First time. So she said, yeah, she, she equal opportunity hater. <laughs> <laughs> and the guys too, because, you know, I, because I coach, I coach the, the guys sprints, hurdles and jumps, as well as the girls sprints, hurdles and jumps. So that's who I coached in high school, all the guys and the girls. And they uh, would say uh, the same thing. I love that. Um, sorry, that took me away. That was funny. Okay. So, you know, we have two goals here for the Guild Connections podcast. One is, and I'm having a blast doing it, is to uplift and honor your journey, which is extremely unique. I love it. I'm having so much fun here. Uh, the other is to bring as much value to those who are, uh, were so humbled that listen to the podcast here. So I started thinking about this as you're telling your equal opportunity hater story with Anna. Um, you know, another thing that is unique for high school coaches is you have to be an advisor independent and you know you can talk about the you know how much uh, mm-hmm. to insert yourself in this role but an advisor a counselor on the recruiting process mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, it's easy because of our ego to get caught up in that USC and Georgia yeah, and what what uh-huh, what other uh-huh. schools Oregon what other schools you think are the biggest baddest best out mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. Uh, but you have to stay grounded in well what's best for the kid for the kid exactly so can you tell us for uh, the high school coaches that are listening right now what was your philosophy on your involvement you as the high school coach your involvement with the kid and the athletes and the college coaches uh, during the recruiting process. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow it up with this. I have a lot of co- um, high school coaches right now who are sending me emails, and because of my journey through this, I respond to everybody, even the kids who some of the boys who are running 25 seconds and are asking me if they can join my team. I still answer their emails, right? 
So for me as a high school coach back then is that I would reach out to the coaches from the colleges that I think would be the best fit academically and uh, athletically for the kids, right? And nine out of 10 times, the coaches agree with me, you know, and I've developed some really fantastic relationships over the years with some of the coaches because I want to send them people who don't fit their program. Right. Because a lot of times, like even for now, you'd look at, at the TFERS. I've got to live by TFERS. And you say, OK, if this coach have a kid running this certain time, my kid is above that time. That, that doesn't necessarily mean it's the right place for my kid to be. Right. So and, and a lot of times with all all the kids that I've sent out to college, their parents stand aside and let me take the reins. Because they know that I know what's, they trust that I have their kids' best interests at heart, right? This past last year, another kid, um, he wasn't perfectly good at hurdles or the jumps. But I said to him, I said, you know something, Zach? You'd make a fantastic um, decathlete. So it took him that summer of his senior year, that child paid for his own private lessons for shot put, discus, pole vault, javelin he's now at Amherst because I told Ruben I said coach Ruben this is who I'm sending to you this is a character of the kid and coach Ruben said yeah you're right you know you're right I also sent him two other very good athletes before that these kids don't want to go to division one they wanted to go to an Amherst where they can develop intellectually as well as take their time in athletics right so another one she went there and Eliza she made it to the um, NCAA second team All-American her freshman year, broke all their records. So he knows I'm sending him quality kids and quality characters as well, right? So that's another thing. And, and what a great coach at Ruben at Amherst, oh, by the way. I mean, those those kids get lucky academically and athletically mm -hmm. there. How do you um, advise a kid who um, is maybe – unrealistic in their expectation they're uh let's use the anonymous 25 second guy and that's an that's a terrible because that's such a huge wide span but you know someone mm -hmm. someone who just isn't there for a pac 12 sec you know power five but would i mean you know have such a great experience at a division two type of school or an nei right, type of school. Right. how do you advise the the outstretched expectations of a student athlete i i told i told this person i said do you want to travel to meet? Do you want to actually be coached? Because a lot of times on those levels, the coach don't have any time to be taking on projects, right? And I'm, I have to shoot straight, right? I said, do you, do you want to be one of those that walk on and get embarrassed every day at practice? Mm -hmm. So I said, you gotta, you've got to go somewhere where you're wanted. You know, I say, I know it's great that you think, oh, I'm going to go to Virginia or whatever, but I said, but realistically, you, you cannot compete at those schools. So these are my recommendations for you. On the other hand, though, I would have another student who would give me some schools that are really, really below their standards. And I said, no, let's cross those off. I said, these are the list of schools that I think you should look at. Mm -hmm. Right. And they, they do go to those schools. Right. I said, no, this isn't this isn't you're setting yourself too low right here. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about these up here. Right. So this, that's how I help them along. I said, no, it's not realistic. Mm -mm. Which one of those two do you find more common on the high school level? The kid who has the outsized expectations or the kid who is not um, thinking high enough, if you will, academically and athletically? Which one do you think you find more common? 
Well, because society is the way it is right now where everybody's a winner, everybody starts thinking they're D1 material. Everybody thinks they're D1 material. And not only D1, but Power 5 material. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, I have to bring people down to our I said, no, seriously, you, you've got to be realistic. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times that's, that's what's going on. I have, I'm trying to recruit a couple of kids right now who are running 25 and a 200. And I said, no, we're looking at Virginia. Or no, we're looking at A&T. I said, sweetheart, do you know what it takes to run at those schools? Good luck. <laughs> do you know what it takes yeah. to get into those schools? Mm -hmm. So that's that's the whole thing. Everybody thinks that they are special these days. And everybody say they're, you know, because we're still, I think we're now in the generation again where everybody gets a medal again. We're back to that. Mm -hmm. So everybody thinks that they're so special because the world tells them that they're special. Mm -hmm. So they all need to shoot for the star and get that star no matter what. Interesting. So talk about the uh, actual stars athletically. So, and, and you know, high school coaches listening right now may never have this. I hope they do multiple times throughout their high school career. But the recruitment of a, someone like an Anna had to be off the charts. I mean, oh, every power five was, school oh would, 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 would have wanted Anna. So how uh -huh. do you, how do you pare that down? How do you advise her and her family on that? You know, this is a whole different ball game than trying mm -hmm. to get a kid into mm -hmm. a division two Amherst or division three mm -hmm. Amherst. Mm -hmm. how, did, how did you work that very special recruitment with her? Oh, I went through her list with her and I just cross, 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 cross. I said, nope. What is the housing like here? Are you going to be in an apartment as a freshman? Nope. I said, no, every thirsty young man is going to be knocking on your door. So no, you're not going to that school. So if so, that's how we go through things. I got to look at academics as well. I said, okay, what, what the academics are like because she's so intellectually sound. So I said, okay, what's the academics like? So we go through everything that makes sure and the coaching staff, what type of support are you going to get, right? So we, it, was, it was tough going through all of that, narrowing it down. It was tough. Do you, and you know, maybe this is a little bit unfair because this is, you were involved and advised and obviously were an important piece of the puzzle for her recruitment, but she and her family and they she made an ultimate made decision. decision. How, yeah. how, how did she, what was the deciding factor for her? This is just her, not any other kid in the country and such. What was her deciding factor to go to SC? I think it's because it was coach Carol. Her name is Carol yeah. and, I'm, and I'm coach Carol. <laughs> There you go, boys and girls, just to have the same names and you're all good. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love it. I love it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Well, let's take our focus to the next level. Uh, I like to myth bust, but the more and more that I'm learning, I don't think this is actually a myth. I think this is, I don't know. I got to find out. I got to, I got to find out what the actual word is here. So I would typically talk about this myth busting of that a high school coach can't coach college. All the excuses of, well, they haven't recruited. Mm -hmm. They don't, uh, you know, they don't know how to do this. They don't know how to do that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I am not equating the two levels because there are differences for sure between coaching college and coaching mm -hmm. high school. There are certainly things you're going to have to learn, but right. the more and more uh, coaches that we interview here, the more and more we're finding out that they started 
at the high school level. We just had Chris Johnson from the University of Arkansas, who is the uh, head coach in waiting. He'll be the head coach of the right, Razorbacks. Right. And he was talking about, oh, yeah, no, I, my whole plan was to be a high school coach. It was to be a high school AD at one point. He coached college, I'm sorry, high school uh, in Houston before he went mm-hmm. on to become a GA at Arkansas. And then if you haven't listened to that episode, please go back and do so uh, and find out that he went to the, the college side. So it's not a myth. Um, I don't want to say the vast majority, but a lot of our college coaches started out in high school. I, I coached in the SEC and my first coaching jobs were in the high school level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How are you? You're now the head coach of a great, a great institution, great location. You're still there in Charlotte. Yeah, area. Oh my goodness, yes. Great, mm-hmm. great facilities, great expectations. How are you finding the transition for you going from very successful high school program to now taking over your own college program? Um, it's been a culture shock, hmm. not for me, but for the students. <laughs> nice. <laughs> because when I first started and I told them that this is my goal for this program and for you individually, coach, your expectations are too high. I said, excuse me, my expectations are too high. I said, if you guys cannot run the times that my high school kids that I just left behind are running, there's something serious wrong with this picture, right? Hold on a second. My stopwatch. Yeah. So I said, if you can't run those times that the high school kids that I just left behind are running, 21-5 for Brunner, 10-6 for Brunner. And I say, is there something wrong with this picture? So yes, my expectations are going to be just that, right? And I need you to meet me where I'm expecting you to meet me at this point. So it's been a culture shock for them that that I mean business when I come here. And I, and I, and I, and I, like I told him, I said, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I'm going to be here to make sure you're all successful. But if you think that I'm too harsh, this is not going to work. Right. Because that's how it is. You know, culture is the hardest thing to build, the easiest thing to destroy. So exactly. you, when you come in for a new program, you've got to bring, you're bringing your own culture, your own mm-hmm. uh, attitudes, mm-hmm. but mixing it with the current culture. That's the, that's one of the hard parts. I think some people will think, well, I'm going to bring in my own culture. Well, there, there's a culture already there. That's already here. How are you finding that? It's got to be a combination. There is no just my opinion, wiping off that culture and inserting yours, because there is a culture of the school and right, the program, right. et cetera. How mm-hmm. are you finding that culture merge, if you will? Well, because I'm the type A personality type of person, I don't like to sit back and wait, right? So I find that everything I need to be done, I don't, I send an email first, yes, but I'm marching up to those offices, Right. The same thing with the, the kids here. I said, I'm going to teach you all to advocate, to self-advocate. So whatever you need, you're going to learn to speak on that. So because they, they don't like to express themselves so much, but I'm teaching them to express themselves. So their, their, their work ethic that they had before is this laser fair. I said, no, we're not going to do that. So we're going to step it up and you're going to be here on time. And if you come at the required time of three o'clock for practice or some of you, it's 12, then you're late. So for every minute you're late, you're going to get punished. So, you know, the, the laid back thing is not for me. It's not for me. Right. So we have 12 o'clock to six o'clock. I'm on a track. I'm on the track from 12 o'clock to six o'clock because I work around their school schedule. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they're students first. So I step on the track at 12 o'clock and I don't leave the track until six. 
So people come in and, uh, you know, I always tell them, give me your class schedule as well. So I can see who I need to pair together to work out and all those good stuff. And another thing is that, so I can peep my head in the classrooms to make sure they're in class. <laughs> so so I, I want everybody's schedule. So it's been crazy trying to blend both, you know, my high expectations and them, you know, trying to build them. And I told them, I said, the grace period is actually over because from August, I'm trying to coddle and bring them on board. Now it's January, so I don't do any more grace periods. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up because that's where I was, I wanted to go with this a little bit, you know, and I'm on the outside looking in now, you know, yeah. when, when I was in the muck coaching, I'm sure my attitude would have been a lot different here, my thought process. But when I think about a coaching change like this, I I have a lot, I have a lot of empathy for the coach because that's where my focus and love and passion is. Um, but I can also have empathy for the student athletes of, man, this is not, first of all, this ain't what I didn't choose. Carol Lawrence for Johnson right. Smith. I chose, right. and, and maybe they didn't even choose the past track coach. Maybe they was like, mm -hmm, man, this mm -hmm. is my, they had my major. I wanted to be in mm -hmm, the city, mm -hmm, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of empathy for when a kid comes in the next year and is like, oh man, uh, this is different. Yeah. Uh, now I, I tend to think of, uh, I, I hope that all people, no matter what age and stage they're at are like this, but I hope for younger people, they're a little bit more pliable, like, okay. Right, uh, right. They want, some people it is day one. All right. Well, let's go. Let's I, I have some of those. I have other, some of those. Yeah. Other people, it's day 100. So I like that you talked about, okay, I, we had all fall, you know, so you, you, you understood day one, it might've sucked and maybe you didn't agree with it. Maybe day two, you started seeing, oh, I understand. Maybe day three, it's like, oh, wait, she, she cares about me. That's because that's a big thing, right? I have to trust mm -hmm. that the coach mm -hmm. has my best interest at, at heart. Um, so, so I was going to ask you like, so what kind of, I don't want to call it grace period. Like you said, you know, like there's a defined time, but so through the fall, it was, here's the new, here's the Carol Lawrence mm -hmm. style that we're going to mm -hmm. maintain here. And you know what? We, we all have our choices. So you can make other choices if you'd right, like. That's right, okay. Right. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Exactly. And then I also have kids on the team who they really didn't even know what event they want to do. Hmm. They come to college, but they're still not sure that they're in the right event. Mm -hmm. So I have a young lady who, when my when I first came out, she was running with the boys and I was stealing with the boys and just having she was serious. I said, hmm, this could be uh, let's see what she can do for the, the multis because she's strong. She thought that I put her in a multis event because she was a horrible athlete. I said, sweetheart, huh. the multi eventers are the beast. These are the beasts of the team. So now she's her hurling is fantastic. She just learned to triple jump. She's number four in the conference for triple jump. Just learning that. Long jump, she's up there too. So she's learning everything. And she's not, when I told her that, I said, do you know who Anna Hall is? She said, no. I said, go, go check her out. And she came back. She said, oh my gosh. I said, yes. This is why I think you are going to be a great multi-eventer. Anna Hall's pretty not good. Because you, <laughs> not because you suck. Because I think I see something in you. You know, in that, in, and I'm, you know, honestly, I'm so glad I'm not coaching anymore. Um, I was thinking about, and I don't mean that in a bad way, because because now I affect student athletes. I a affect way more student athletes, mm. but I affect them in a different way because of my servitude towards coaches. You know, I I get yeah. to affect the 30, 40, 50 kids on your team by by just serving you. Where mm -hmm. uh, you know, and so multiply that by a thousand coaches, so I've I've got a million kids, right? Um, but isn't it interesting in a world where we say that you know everybody's a winner, everybody gets a trophy, things like that, and yet. What you just explained, what I heard from that specific example was a kid who had a lot of insecurities 
you know, and lack of trust of like, oh, mm-hmm, coach, mm-hmm. like automatically she went to coaches punishing me, thinks mm-hmm. I'm not a good yeah, athlete. Exactly. That's what she said, punishing her. And mm-hmm. instead, because every other coach would have said, oh, wow, you put her in the multis. Oh, well, then you really thought she was something because that ain't for the faint of heart. I and, know. And I just find that dichotomy so interesting with young people. I know. Another one, she is a uh, 12.1, 100 meter runner. So I said to her, I said, hmm, you're 12 on in 100. I can get you 13 change in the, in the 100 meter hurdles. I, I teach you how to hurdle. She ran her first meet, leading the conference, right? <laughs> but she turned around and said she don't want to do it because she came here to do sprints. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Not forcing you. You know, it's interesting that insecurity and mistrust uh, that young people we talk about there, you know, I, and again, because I talk to quote unquote, every track coach at all levels every day. uh, I see a lot of it in coaching. Mm -hmm. I I see coaches who, if I don't have the big name school on my business card, on my shirt, I'm not a, I'm not a good coach. Or um, I have this athlete that just boy, I can see him or her. She's going to be the next Anna Cockrell, uh, mm-hmm. but I can't do it. And it's because I'm not coaching well enough. And there's, you know, there's a thousand other factors that go into it. it starts with genetics, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just interesting, the differences yet sameness of the athlete versus the coach. Right. Or, because uh, I have, I have visions for these kids, but they don't, as I say, I said to them, I said, guys, I am one of those coaches that have no limits. I will think, I will tell you that you are like one kid. I said, you should start training for World U20 Championships. I say, you are going to be really good at this. And you're 18 years old now. I said, we got two years. I say, you should start training for the World U20 Championships because I can get you there if you trust me to take you there. <laughs> and I don't care that we're Johnson C. Smith. Right. Right. That's exactly right. So tell us, coming from the high school ranks uh, and knowing that you're in your first semester, you know, starting second semester, st- just now starting to compete and mm-hmm. you'll have a conference uh, here mm-hmm. coming up and nationals. Um, what has been the biggest challenge for you? Uh, um, whether it's, you know, I'm, uh, I'm coaching all the time, which you were coaching a lot in high school, but what, what, yeah. I, I don't even, I didn't write. What has just been the biggest challenge? Could be administratively, could be coaching, could be personal. What, what's been like, oh man, I used to, do this and now I got to do this and this has been a little bit of a challenge I've had to adjust any challenges um the big challenge is not having a secretary Mm. because I'm I I I, what I do I dot every I and cross every T when it comes to the finances and stuff so I want to make sure that every and I take a long time making sure that's that's right right everything is right so that has been one of my biggest challenges so far the second biggest challenge is Getting kids to stay focused on your student and an athlete, not an athlete who may go to class every now and then, mm-hmm. right? So you got to think that I said if, and I all, and they tell me that I'm, I'm, I act worse than their mothers sometimes. That's what they tell me, <laughs> because I'm always making sure that they're doing their schoolwork, doing all of these important things. I even remember a couple, couple months ago. Some kids wanted to learn how to make Jamaican food. Mm-hmm. So I would give them the ingredients and I would go over to their dorms and have cooking classes with them. Right. So we have cooking lessons and how to make rice and peas, how to make jerk chicken, how to make everything. So they learn how to do a little bit of cooking. So I say, yeah, I'm, I'm a coach, but I'm also a mother in the background, you know, but, you know, so, so the challenges and, and that worked great because, you know, they started trusting, you know, a lot of times they trust through food. Right. That's another little common thing right there. So that's that's it. But the challenges is another thing is that 
I still have people who are listening to their old coaches. Like one, one young lady who would, you know, talk to her old coach. And then I said to them, I said, no, what goes on here is between you and the new coaches. If you can't trust the process, then it's not going to work for us. And as soon as she let go, she's winning, mm-hmm. winning. And another thing too, I got to tell you that my coaching staff, all high school coaches. Yeah, we're, we're going to get there. I, I had my note on here, staff. We're going to get to the staff. I love uh, your staff. Uh, so we'll, we'll put a pin in that and come back to that. What is, so I asked you what, you know, challenges you, you're seeing and continue to, mm-hmm. to overcome. What, was there anything that, as you, you know, you, you get it, you, you get the job, you announce, okay, I'm going to be a college coach now. Was there anything you're like, you know, I think this is going to be hard. So I better, better be prepared. But you actually found out like, oh, actually, this wasn't as hard as I thought it was. No, going to be. Not as hard. The, the, the hardest part is going to be recruiting. And I'm not telling and that that's, that's, that's no lie right there. That's, that's going to be the hardest part recruiting because kids are looking at the standards that's here and thinking that that's the standards I'm still recruiting. Right. So that's the hardest thing, trying to get people to envision that, no, we're going to we're going to be bigger than what was the standard. Mm -hmm. So I brought in this young man from Jamaica. He just started last week and he's a triple jumper. And uh, and another kid from California came by. He's a triple jumper as well. So when those two boys from a six step approach hit that 40 foot board and hit and and everybody in the team said, oh, my God. Did you see that? I say, yeah, these are the people that I'm bringing in to elevate, you know, and they're beautiful jumpers, beautiful jumpers. So those are the people I'm bringing in. So let's stay on that recruiting vein because this is a common theme. Uh, you know, I live on Twitter, so I hear this a lot on Twitter of, you know, uh, I look at the current stats. I go to TIFERS and I've got a kid that would not just be their top two or three would be their top person, but mm-hmm. that coach either doesn't respond back or has told my kid no. And, and this high school coach is frustrated with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you say? You mentioned a little bit of like, well, I understand you're looking at TFERS today, but I have a vision for what TFERS is going to look like in five right. years. How, how do you, um, I don't want to say explain, but maybe how, how do you uh, uh, explain to that I, high I school that. coach? I do that. I do that. So when, when, when the high school coach emails me and, you know, I give them my number, I said, give me a call tonight so we can talk about it. And I, and I talk to them. I give them my number so we can talk. And I said, yeah, I know that this is what you're seeing, but this is not what I want to recruit. And I said, we have a lot of that time here right now, and I'm trying to elevate the program. So if you can guarantee that your girl or your guy can give me that time next year or by the end of the season, I'll gladly take them on board. I would gladly take them on board. You know, I have an, another young man. He just started track and field last year. And he sent me an email and I said, give me a call tonight. He called me up tonight and I, would, and I spoke to him. I said, so what got you into track and field? You know, I, I like to talk to them before I say no. Right. And he said, what got you into track and field? He said, well, I played football. And I said, well, you don't want to get hit anymore, huh? He said, no. <laughs> he said, no, I just, I just tried track and I really loved it. And I did it last year and I ran 10-8. I said, okay, I said, you have a lot of upside then because if you just started this last year, you know, and I said, how's school? He said, I love school. He's a 4.2 GPA. I said, you're my kind of guy. You know, you just started. You got a lot to learn. And I know that you will, you will do well. So how about coming for a visit? Hmm. You know, so, so that's it. So I don't just shut up. I got to call the kid and let the kid talk and tell me exactly what their training is like. 
you know, one kid said he only does two days a week training. I said, okay, so with that, you, you can do well here. So that's how I look at things. Not just because you have this, this time that doesn't fit the profile. I got to talk to you and see exactly what your training looks like. What, if you had injuries, like one kid said he was injured, so he's not coming back. So, you know, I give them the time, give them this, I lend them my ear and then just go through it. And if some kids say, well, you know, that wouldn't really work. But if you do better, reach back to me again. Mm-hmm. You know, another kid in Hawaii, he wasn't hitting them. He was 19, 20 feet in a long jump. And I said, I said, hon, if you can try to get over 20, then give me a call. And he sent me his video a few months later. He said, coach, I did it. I said, that's great. That is absolutely great. Now we can talk. <laughs> Do you foresee, and you're still so young into this side of things here on the college mm-hmm. side. Do you see the transfer portal being a part of recruiting for you? And I'm not sure, you know, we typically think and hear of it in the D1 and even the D1 power five kind of level. I'm not sure where it fits in the division two. It, yeah. You're shaking Mm-mm. your head. No, mm-hmm. no. Cause there's a reason why they're there. So no, mm-hmm. Okay. I much rather I much rather go from scratch. Hmm, got it. Uh, okay, let's talk about your staff because yes. you have one of my dearest people, another Guild Podcast alum, by the way, uh, Bianca Knight. But tell us, yeah. including her, of course, helping out. Tell us about your staff that you've got there at Johnson C. Smith. All right, so Bianca is here twice a week. Hmm. Um, when she drops her kids off at school, then she comes over. So she's here with me from twelve to twelve to two, or twelve to three. So Bianca is, uh, she's up there too, you know, you know, she's that my type of personality. She wants them to, to come and do it. You know how she's already, right? So she's here twice a week. And, you know, but she is, uh, she is uh, the calmer side of me, believe it or not. So the kids will, will tell her what they want to tell her because they know that if they tell that to me, I'm going to say, I, I'm, I'm going to give them the real truth. Right. So she is their, 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 their little they're their buffer. Yeah, they're yeah, bridge. Buffer, yeah, right, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so she's there. Then I have Jay, Jay Pierre. He was a high school coach, a head coach for another high school. So he has been working. I've been mentoring him for a while. So he is now my, my assistant sprints coach. Daisha, who was a high school throws coach, she took kids from not knowing, they call it the ball. They, they took kids from there to second place at the state championships or winning the state championship. So, so for, for high school coaches, they have to know their craft, right? They have to teach. So those are the people they, and this is where I call it big D1 schools are recruiting from the high schools, right? So they're, they're, they're getting kids from good places. So she's over, she's my throws coach. And then I have AJ, he is um, the owner of Charlotte, he was the owner of Charlotte Flights. And he's now my jumps coach, my horizontal jumps coach. So I have a great group of people put together to, to make it. And then, of course, I'm going to have a pole vault. My one, I can't afford to get a pole vault pit. So I'm going to bring it. And I already have her in place to come over and do twice a week pole vault training. So you believe, sounds like you believe in full track team, not just, the hey, I was, a sprint, team. I was a hurdler, so we're going to do nothing but sprints mm-mm, and hurdles. You mm-mm, feel mm-mm. The, the entire discipline. Full here. team, the full team. Right now, my heaviest recruiting class coming in are <clears throat> throwers. Hmm. Yeah, weird. That, that throwing team is looking good coming in, right? And the jump screw, they already said, I have seven guys, triple long jumper. 
So the final piece of the puzzle is actually the sprint hurdles group. And the mid-distance, I have a bunch of mid-distance coming in as well. So I like the complete program. Well, Carol, as we wrap up here today, you know, it's so interesting to see, like, like I can't wait to see four years, five years, six years down the line as you, you know, you build into right. you know, very rarely and, and maybe improperly that something goes from zero to hundred in one day, one year. Mm-hmm. So you, know, you have to build a good foundation. Mm-hmm. Tell us what do you, uh, what, what's got you excited about this upcoming season? I mean, this is a season of change for the athletes, for the coaches. What's got you excited coming up here in 2023? All right. So we had our first meet December 3rd or 4th. I think it was a 4th. I can't remember, December 3rd or 4th. And off the bat, first meet, the 4x4 guys team, they went 50, 50, 50, 52, right? Never did that. So they opened up the season, 50, 50, 50, 52, right? We had um, girls who started off, she never ran that time before, ran her PR first meet. Guy, he was close to his PR the first meet. So everybody came out on fire and they Finished practice, finished to me. They said, Whoa, this is good. You know, they started off the season in a respectable note. So I said, Okay, now you see the fruits of your labor. Because sometimes they say, Coach is trying to kill them. I said, No, I'm not trying to kill them. I'm just giving you work. So, so then now they're seeing the fruits of their labor. So you're so I'm really looking right? forward to it. Yeah, so you're excited to see because that was in December for crying out loud. Mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. De- December doesn't matter, right? Uh, end of February conference in March, nationals, right? In, uh, May and June or uh, April and May. That's right, what it really exactly. matters. There's a lot of work to still be put in to exactly, keep improving. Exactly, exactly. So I'm really excited for the year because you know they they give me a taste of what they can do, and know that they're believing in themselves. Now the the best part I like to as well is every time you go to the weight room, you see people that with their shirts up, taking a look at their abs. Everybody's so proud of their bodies. <laughs> <laughs> they said, coach, check out this. So somebody said, yeah, you have four and a half, a four and a half pack now. <laughs> Whatever gets them motivated, right? <laughs> Whatever gets them motivated. So they're, they're loving the weight room um, workouts now because we're in the weight room every day. And give us your vision as you start to, cast out you know past 2023 season you start looking mm-hmm. at you know two years four years five years what do you envision the program under your leadership to look like here and call it a five-year span um number one is bringing in the academic all-american for the team and i don't mean like 3.0 i'm looking at 3.5 because all the kids i'm recruiting these year, these days are 3.2 gpa and up that's who I'm recruiting. So that's first and foremost, right? And again, because I'm in partnership with a lot of companies as well, where I'm trying to find summer internships, summer jobs for my athletes and making sure that they have uh, something beyond track and field. So I'm partnering with a lot of companies around Charlotte to making sure that my kids can know, get a good summer job and can set themselves up ready for later on. So that part is set. And what I'm envisioning for the program is I actually, I'm really greedy. So this year, I was thinking that we're both guys and girls are finishing the top three. And I'm going to think that we're going to have at least two people make it to NCAAs this year. That's the greedy part of me thinking, right? Next year, based on our recruits, and I don't mean to sh- throw shade at anybody, but I have high hopes that both guys and girls can win this, the, the conference next year. And we can have a much bigger representation at nationals. Well, Carol, I appreciate 
the unique diverse background like when you talk about you know i want kids because i have um relationships with businesses i want to help kids get interns well golly that was half your career i mean that's like you walk the walk not just yeah. talk the talk there yeah. uh with your background there um you know the academic side is obviously very important to you as well not only from your own experiences but how you would like to impart that how you impart that on your own uh family your own kid uh it's just really uh interesting and it's going to be uh it's going to be awesome i'm i'm so excited to see how the program grows under your leadership and really yeah. um, uh, very uh, hopeful and that it's going to go really, really well. You, you know, mm -hmm, the, pl mm -hmm. the plan never goes as written, uh, but it's going to go in a forward manner. Right, right. Exactly. I, I believe it. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. So I'll see you. Uh, I just know it. It's not like maybe I'll see you. I know I'll see you in Virginia Beach. Uh, mm -hmm, I'll, I'll mm -hmm, be there mm -hmm. uh, for Division. Even if it's with one person, but we'll be there. That's right. I'll see you there. And then uh, we got a trip to Pueblo to start uh, 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 planning for because we're going to go, yes. go there for outdoors. I'll see you out there yes. as well. Yes. Carol, thank you so much. You know, I and thank you, Mike. I'm always so blessed and honored. You know, track coaches are super busy, whether you're high school, college, it doesn't matter. I know how busy you are with teaching and coaching and recruiting. I mean, there's mm -hmm. a million hats that you wear. Uh, and so I'm always thankful when a coach sits down with us here in the Guild Connections podcast. And Carol, I'm just so grateful for you. I'm just so uh, enamored by your story. Uh, I'm enamored on what the future of that story continues to be written. And just so grateful that you would join us here today on the podcast. Thank you so much. Awesome. And thank you for joining us here listening. We're going to do it again next week. So hop on back here as we uplift and honor coaches from around the country. Have a good week, guys.